Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of Golden Shower of Hits. On today's podcast, Jamie and Mike will review the second and final album by Slint, entitled Spiderland, released in 1991. Slint came and went pretty quickly, but the influence of their angular weirdness and adventurous compositional style could be heard on Midwest post-punk for years to come. I think the vocals might turn Jamie off, but there's at least a chance he could possibly like this album. Creeping up into the sky Stopping at the top and then staring down Go grab my hand and I clutch it tight Say goodbye to the ground It appears that after 46 episodes, we've gotten our shit together. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> what did they say? Don't count your chickens. Yeah, we'll, uh, it'll go downhill at some point. So, <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of in this foggy haze today. I was up late last night um, and then awake early this morning. Yeah. What were you, what were you up doing? Were you working or... I had a long day of driving and then I was just like stubbornly uh, tried to get some stuff done once I got home, you know, get, get some like personal work done because yeah. I didn't get home from work till seven. And then it was like nine or nine thirty or something. And I was like, I'm going to watch a movie. So I, w I watched this brand new like zombie apocalypse bank heist Las Vegas <laughs> Jesus. movie. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Um you know, though that you know, like any big blockbuster movie, there's you know, it's a bunch of predictable bits that happen. Right, right. But it was pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. I like a I like zombie movies. Yeah. Did you watch uh, Walking Dead? Yeah. I I mean, I dropped off probably two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Yeah, I watched for a couple of seasons, but it got it's just too much and too much of the same thing and. So I bailed. Yeah, just got a little bit like lost. Like, all right, what's going to happen? Right. You know, how long are you guys going to do this? <laughs> the, uh, the, there was some pretty good character buildup, though, in that yeah. series. Um, yeah. I, you know, I like it. Yeah. You know, they killed Rick. Oh, did they really? Well, it appears <laughs> so, well? but then... <laughs> It appears so, but then if you if you look, it's like, oh, they intend to do a standalone movie with him in it, which is like what happens after you think he's dead or something. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm gonna uh, if there are any Walking Dead nerds that are listening, they're probably really mad because I Googled it once and then <laughs> right. uh I was like, All right, that's all I need to know. Yeah. Uh but they probably know a lot more. Like, you know, I'm not whatever. I feel like I'm the not subscribed to any of those <laughs> news updates. <laughs> it's, you don't have a Google alert for The Walking Dead? I don't have it, right. no. <laughs> I, I feel I don't, like don't people have who are nerds for Walking Dead are nerds for the graphic novel. I don't know. Well, maybe people are that into the TV show. but Because I, I didn't the graphic novel split off or the TV show split off from the graphic novel. Like I think that there are some parallels, you know, right. some things that got like... Carl dies. Carl I mean, dies. Everyone, fuck yeah, Carl dies. Really? Man. Everyone fucking dies. Jesus yeah. Christ. They started, you know, I think what they did is they started taking cues from 
uh, what was that fucking Dungeons and Dragons thing on HBO? Uh, I don't know. Game of Thrones. Oh, right. right. Everyone, right. yeah, just like kill off just main like characters. Yeah, yeah. That you know, you think that the 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 main guy that dies at the end of the first season, you're like, you think that he's the main character, right, and all yeah. of a sudden, you're like, whoa, all bets are <laughs> what off. What happened? Yeah. I think those guys paid attention. Yeah. They were like, oh. Did you watch all of Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah, we did too. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. But yeah, it, I mean, they really seemed to phone in the last, second to last and last season, I felt like. so. I had, a way, I had way, I have way better endings. You, I have way better endings you, than that. <laughs> wait, so you have like fan fiction that you wrote? I for, mean, just in my mind. Right. I, th- I mean, I think it would have been great if Cersei would have ended up at the end. Oh, right. Yeah. Like that would, that's more realistic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, she Way was more realistic. definitely, um, awful, awful, but very cunning throughout the series. So yeah, I kind of thought that she would get turned into that. Like the ice King would come and turn her into an ice queen. Oh yeah. There you go. I was kind of into that idea. Now, you know, no one else thought that that was yeah. going to happen or that it was a good idea, which is usually an indication of, you know, it's usually a characteristic of my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was glad when they had, uh, the, I, 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 I know it was unpopular, but I liked that that little girl killed the ice King. I thought I didn't see that coming. That was oh, good. God. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, I, thought I thought that, that was, was one of the greatest moments like the hair on my arm is standing up right now i thought it was one of the most insanely awesome moments in the entire series i thought it was as cool as the red wedding i thought it was fucking yeah no i thought it was super badass yeah i also had a really uncomfortable moment with that person at a coffee shop (laughs) the the actress no yeah because uh you know i'm at a coffee shop in brooklyn one day yeah like one morning you know, I've I've maybe only had a cup of coffee. I'm watching that show, but I fucking meet hundreds of people every month. Right. Or at the time I was when yeah. I was like walking around New York and, you know, selling and just walking into so many places, stores, fucking groceries, cafes, restaurants, plus all the years of living in Seattle and all, just all the years of living a very social life. Right. And be and working in service and all this stuff. And then there's this person standing in front of me in line and she turned and looked at me and I was like, Oh, hey, how's it going? Cause I recognized her. Yeah. And and that's always, you know, that's always how I've how I've been. Right. So, like in Seattle, it was a relatively small place. I worked in the Pike Place Market. Yeah. And then up on Capitol Hill at a coffee shop. So Pretty much anyone that walked anywhere in the city, they at some point in the week, they walked past me. Right. And when people looked familiar and they ever, you know, made eye contact with me, I would say hello. Right, right. And uh, uh, she just kind of looked at me. She was kind of horrified, like all of us, because she's young, I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, and she was just like, I was like, how's it going? And then it hit me. And then I realized, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I, I actually said, uh sorry i don't i don't know you oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great what happened then nothing she got her coffee and then i ordered and that was that that's pretty good <laughs> i uh so stupid i know you know i've met a lot of people through music and bmx and and stuff like that you know and 
I'm really good with faces and I'm terrible with names, right? So right. my move is uh, <laughs> Jennifer currently, but every previous uh, girlfriend has had the instructions of if I if we talk to someone and I don't introduce them, it means I don't know their name and you need to introduce yourself. So they say their name. So I remember their name. <laughs> yeah, no, we have a similar game. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, a good it works one. out pretty well. I, uh, it's a good move. I was, um, I never watched, uh, well, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of TV in the early two thousands. And one day I'm headed to work and I go to McDonald's, I'm in the drive through and the, the lady helping me, she's like the manager, you know, she's wearing like a different top and stuff. She's looking at me really weird. And I'm like, this is, why is this lady looking at me weird? And Finally, she hands me my food and she she pokes her head out the window and she's like, you don't recognize me, do you? And I'm like, oh, fuck, did I have sex with this girl or something? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just she's, like mortified. She's right? the biggest accidental gun death fan in the yeah, world. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And she's like, I was on Survivor. <laughs> I was like, uh, I've never seen Survivor. So, and she's like, oh, and she just looked at me weird and- I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> so, cool. So, Wait a minute. Yeah, so I, she, I was, went, she was on Survivor for how long? Well, so uh, I don't remember now, but I drove to work and I Googled like Portland Survivor and found her and found a picture of her on the, on the cover of TV Guide. I was like, whoa, okay. So she must have been a major player on Survivor and now she's a manager at the uh, Powell McDonald's. So. Yeah. That's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? why would I write? I don't know you. So, yeah, anyways. I think that's actually really crazy. Yeah. It's very huh. presumptuous, you know, to think that like everybody knows. You don't I mean, recognize me, do you? You know, at the nope. time, I think Survivor was a huge show. And so I'm sure she got recognized all the time. But to expect everyone to recognize you, like... You know, I don't even know that Mick Jagger thinks that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. You know, so that's a little brash. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I told you the story about my coworker thought that uh, Steven Tyler was, <laughs> was, uh, uh, what's his butt? No. He thought, he thought he was Mick Jagger. You don't remember? Oh, I no, never told I you this story. I don't think I've heard this story. Well, you know, I worked in the Pike Place Market, right? Yeah, yeah. So everyone that was visiting walked through there. Like if right. a famous, like we saw everyone, the fucking Chicago Bulls when they came through oh uh, for the championship, like every actor, you know, I met fucking Carl Lewis down there and yeah. fucking uh, Linda Evans and fucking Whoa. Yanni and fucking <laughs> just, yeah, like whatever, just a shitload of fucking up an endless parade of musicians. I met Steve Vai down there. Wow. The Black Crows. The list goes on. And uh, uh, one day, uh, Stan, my coworker's first generation Polish immigrant, learned English in the Pike Place Market. Whoa. And uh, it was a crazy job because it was me and him and then a first generation Korean guy owned the place. And then I was sort of like the go between and then they had sort of their own <laughs> sort of middle ground English right. that they were working through. And then I, I was sort of like, you know, fill in the blanks guy. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was an, and, but it was an awesome job. We worked on the corner in this produce stand and uh, 
one day Stan comes over all excited and he's like, grab me, Mikey, Mikey, grab the camera. And so I grab the camera and he drags this guy and I'm like, holy shit. And he goes, take the picture. And I take the picture and he like slaps dude on the shoulder and he goes, I can't believe we have Mick Jagger here. And he goes, hey man, I'm, I'm Steven Tyler. Oh, no, he didn't even say that. He goes, hey man, I'm the guy from Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say his name. He goes, hey, man, I'm the guy from Aerosmith. And he goes, I know you. <laughs> oh, wow. That is fucking hilarious. It was incredible. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's o- good- like, I think only Eastern Europeans could get away with something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good way to awesome. take uh, take the wind out of someone's sails, calling their own name. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like... There. One of the biggest rock stars in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Follow-up. I only... Oh, yeah. I think I only have one piece of follow-up this week, which I'm pretty surprised about after last week's fucking epic episode, but I haven't really looked at the socials. But uh, before we put out last week's episode, I, I learned how to Instagram a little bit. Yeah. And so I was going through our old Instagram posts, and... uh at dj evermore commented in october of 2020 on our united by uh united by fate review that he was one of our two australian listeners so (laughs) i wonder if he still listens and i wonder if he's mad that i called australian bands regional bands (laughs) 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 so yeah uh you dick yeah i actually listened to the episode the last one yeah (laughs) <laughs> you, d- you don't normally listen to our episodes no i fucking t- my i participate in the conversation ah right it's good to know now i can fucking do a bunch of wacky shit and not have you get mad at me <laughs> fuck you <laughs> <laughs> insert some songs i'll pepper I'll, I'll sweeten up my jokes with your laughs, <laughs> there were a few things that i i felt like i wanted to correct guffy on i wanted to i wanted to like fact check him and i don't remember what they were now i i i feel the same way and there was one thing that i wanted to fact check uh on guffy as well and that is uh during the intro his wife said that he's incredibly virile but (laughs) john has only knocked up amy once so (laughs) that's not that that's only moderately virile do you want to jump into the record yeah, me as well. Did you enjoy the record this week? I did. I thought that you might. It's yeah. a it's a pretty weird record, yes. right? Well, yes and no. I feel like in the early mid nineties, uh, when I was playing around and going to a lot of shows in the Midwest, there were a lot of bands that were kind of like this. And so I uh-huh. you know, I don't know if they were inspired by this or what, but you know, I, I was definitely familiar with this type of sound. Right. So I I'm trying to think. I mean, I had never heard of a I'd never heard a band that sounded like this uh before this. Okay. Although well, I guess I had heard Jesus Lizard isn't entirely unlike this. Yeah. Right. And Drive Like Jehu, I think Right. Is you know, similarly angular, but yes. they're decidedly more angry and less um, nuanced. Right, yeah. You know, it's like less sophisticated. It's still intricate and 
well thought out, but it's a little more brutish. Yeah. But it's it's like really sinister but beautiful music, I think. And I I wasn't cool enough to learn about it in 1991. I wasn't reading zines or right buying cool records yet. Still not maybe. But you know, I think I learned about the uh, this record in like 95. Okay. Um at work, you know. Yeah. And I was I was just like instantly drawn to it. We would listen we listened to it a lot. Yeah. And uh I n- I never knew anything about the band. Yeah. I knew that I think one of the people from the band was in that band Zwan maybe. Oh, I don't I don't even think I came across that from my research. So, I think that the guitar player guy um Dave uh, I think he was in Zwan and and I I mean I didn't know that that drummer was in uh what do you call it the band that you love so much? Uh, oh, it's uh Squirrelbait. No, no, after that with uh with the Deals. Ah, uh, the Breeders. He was in the fucking Breeders, is yeah. that right? Yes. So I I think we need That's to insane. I think we need to tap the brakes and start at the beginning. I'm, I guess I'm slim. just like catching up on yeah, all yeah. Of these things that I just, I had no idea about, yeah. you know? So I hadn't heard this record until it was put on our list and, and chosen. Oh, really? Nope. And, you know, at so probably a month ago or so when I was going through the list, trying to figure out, you know, what songs to cover, I sampled a little bit of each song to, you know, figure out the cover <laughs> this is a weird album to cover and i was like holy fuck i'm gonna love this record you know um and then unfortunately the cover didn't come together for a really long time and i had to listen to the record a bunch of times a few weeks ago just to figure out what the fuck to do for the cover and you know i don't know i don't know what i would do i think the cover's it's pretty weak <laughs> yeah like i just had i, I, I you know, the only thing I could do is like pick the most rocking section and try to make it a little more rocking. And that was it, you know, so not, not my best cover work, but you know, I'm not, I'm not skilled enough to turn this into a, a, a good punk rock cover, you know? So, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I hadn't heard about these guys. I I'd never heard this record, uh, before a few weeks ago and oh. a couple of months ago, I want to say like in January, I think Rudy somehow turned me on to squirrel bait which was a like a little kid punk band from louisville in the early mid 80s and i listened to that record and i was like wow this is fucking awesome uh how fucking cool does louisville seem from that movie though (laughs) right yeah yeah i uh I, i know some people from louisville and every single person i know from louisville um i know two strippers and one bmxer and they're all amazing people. <laughs> right. So um, the BMXer uh, from Louisville, Jimmy LeVan, they actually did a documentary about him like maybe two years ago. And uh, I contributed three songs to the soundtrack. So. Oh, rad. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, Jimmy is from another planet. He's a ama- He's an amazing writer and an amazing person. Anyways. Um, but yeah. So, you know, everything. I, and at one point, Louisville had the biggest skate park in the world, I think. so. Is that right? Yeah, it was lit up 24 hours and was the biggest skate park in the world. So, 
What a fucking cool place. I don't think I've ever been there. I don't know if I have. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been there. So, um, But yeah, so you had sent me this. I, I, I don't know why I didn't think to look, but uh, Mike had texted me a uh, YouTube video, uh, a documentary about this band by Lance Banks. So by chance, uh, a friend of mine from Portland, this guy, Corey, um, Ficken, who was in the, that band, the swords project. Do you uh, remember them? No. He's like, a, you know, he's a big fan of all of this. And, you know, I think he, uh, you know, where he, all of the, all of the bands that were heavily influenced by this and came after, mm-hmm. uh, Mogwai, Tortoise, any of that, you know, instrumental, uh, Godspeed, you black emperor, I think is, I would put in that, um, He's into all that. And I was telling him, like, oh, man, I'm so excited, but I don't know anything about this band. Right, yeah. Tell me something. Tell me something good. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I got something for you. And he just sent me that link. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I don't do any research, but yeah. this one was just put in my lap. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this goddamn movie this week. Right. I'm going to be the guy that does a little bit of work. <laughs> Last minute. Yeah. Yeah, I. It's funny when you uh, read about Slint. A lot of the narrative is that nobody knows anything about Slint, right? Yeah. Um, and watching the Lance Bangs documentary on them, you know, I mean, he, you know, even opens the documentary talking about how mysterious they were because the band broke up right after recording the record, and so the band was broken up when Before the record it came was out. released. Yeah, and so they never did any press. They didn't tour no you know no interviews anything so and the records didn't sell that well at first but over the years has you know every year has sold more and more copies so as more and more people discovered it but in watching the movie which i had to watch twice because i didn't realize this at first but the movie the the documentary was filmed over 12 years so so there are interviews with uh guy members of the band who look way different in different interview segments, but they're all like intermixed. And so yeah. I'm like, how many fucking people were in this band? <laughs> you know, but it right. was like the same dudes, but like different clothes and haircuts and, you know, wearing glasses in one interview and not wearing glasses in the other interview. And, you know, they, they put their names at the beginning, at the beginning of the documentary, you know, they would put their name up, but you know, going on like right. a quarter in through the rest of the interview, they stopped putting their names up. So I'm like, I don't know who the fuck is talking right now, right now, you know, so <laughs> I couldn't keep the guys, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like watching, you know, an interview with the Beatles where, you know, oh, that's Paul McCartney, you know, like, I don't know, I'm coming from n- knowing nothing, <laughs> you know, so the, so I had to watch the documentary twice. There was an incredible f- full circle moment for the podcast in this movie. Do you know what I'm going to, do you know what I'm going to mention? I, I, I do. And <laughs> I just want to say. This guy, I don't have many drum heroes, uh, but this guy is now a drum hero of mine. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, what about the footage of him when he's like 15 or 16 and he's just like, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. It's not like right. overpowering. It's like, it's just so mature. Yeah. But, but then those guys are like recording their own farts and stuff. It's like, it's, they're not mature. So go ahead and uh, drop the bomb on the podcast that you were about to drop. It's so incredible. We talk about one of the moments because Albini has some prominent, you know, narrative in yes. this. 
because he recorded their first record and he sings their praise a lot. You know, he, he thought they were yeah. great. But that drummer stayed at his house. <laughs> and when we were talking about Mouth Breather, mm -hmm. <laughs> the song by uh, Jesus Lizard off of Goat, uh, and there was a story that went along where someone like misused the house and broke the door and the toilet, like that was yeah. him. <laughs> that was him. Is his name Britt? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Britt That Walford. was him, and he relayed that story to Yao, and Yao wrote the fucking song. It's And when he said that, my fucking floor just, <laughs> or my, my jaw hit my lap. Yeah. You know, I was just like, oh my fucking God. Yeah. And that guy is, I mean, even when he's just talking, you know, like he's, he's, you can tell he's just not like other people that right, guy. Yeah. You know, still. The other, uh, so the, the, the thing that made this guy my hero, not only is he a f unbelievable drummer and literally by the time he was in college, basically put out you know, between squirrel bait and slint this like um, unbelievable amount of this, this amount of unbelievable music. But, uh, in the movie, uh, David Yao's being interviewed and, you know, I don't care for David Yao. Right. Him and, uh, Brit were like framing some offices at touch and go. <laughs> yeah. And they had gotten some big gulps from Seven Eleven full of soda and Brit's, uh, you know, is, is Soda had been out for a while, and soda had gotten all watery from the, the the ice and that sort of thing. So, anyways, David Yao had put his cigarette butt in Britt's uh, big gulp cup. Yeah, I thought and, he was done. Yeah, and Britt took a drink out of it, and he's like, what the fuck? And David was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that you were done, so I just put my cigarette in there. And so, like an hour later, <laughs> <laughs> David Yao goes to take a sip out of his cup, and Britt had taken a shit in his big gulp cup. <laughs> so this Brit dude is right up my fucking alley. I, <laughs> not only do I wish I could play drums like Britt Walford, I wish that I could shit in David Yao's big gulp cup too. What a maniac! It's so, <laughs> fucking brilliant. What a fucking maniac! Yeah. Is he the one that uh, went and baked erotic cakes? No, that was actually Brian McMahon. Oh, <laughs> the guitar singer yeah. guy. So, <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> this this band uh, kind of revolves around the the drummer Britt Walford and the guitar player Brian McMahon, or well, the guitar player singer, one of the guitar players. They actually started out at like a school, like a like a, I don't want to art, call it a hippie school. school. Yeah, like an art school for kids where they, you know, kids kids create their own curriculum and all that stuff, you know. Right. Uh, and so they met when they were like 11 or 12. And they, uh, at, it was a place called the Brown School. And they started a punk rock band uh, called Languid and Flaccid when they were like 13. And uh, to, uh, there's guys being interviewed in the documentary that said they were laughing because the two older members of the band had to carry, <laughs> carry the equipment for those guys because they were too little to carry their own amps. <laughs> so incredible. Which is amazing. Uh, so yeah, they were in language and flaccid together. And then uh, Brit was in uh, squirrel bait, which I really like squirrel bait is like, um, Oh fuck. 
you know, I thought of the comparison last night and then I forgot to write it down, but it's, it's kind of like Husker do. Yeah. Uh, um, with, with maybe a little bit of like, uh, Paul Westerberg singing, you know, it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. And they're like 15 or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking amazing. You know, that song sun God is so catchy. All the characters in the movie, too, are yeah. fucking real characters. Right, right, yeah. No, they're just, they're they're hilarious, amazing characters. They're right, fucking yeah. great. Yeah. I loved it. I loved every character. Like, there was not a person in there where I was like, man, this guy's a fucking asshole. Right. You know? Yeah. Not, not a single person. There's always that person in a documentary where you're like, oh, this guy's not likable. Yeah. Yeah, you know? no, it was it was really good. Yeah. Um yeah, so Britt played drums in Squirrel Bait. Uh Brian uh, McMahon eventually joined Squirrel Bait. Britt left to form a band called Maurice with uh David Pajo, P A J O, who And um, Mar- did you listen to Maurice? Uh I ha- n- no, I, I couldn't find to, it. I talked to Sweeney today cuz the day that I talked to Corey I texted Matt Sweeney and I was like, I know that you know these guys and I don't know anything about them and I'm doing this podcast. Tell we I we tell me some shit. Yeah. And I didn't hear back from him. And uh and then I talked to Corey like, you know, the next morning or shortly after, and he sent me that link and then watch it and sure enough, you know, Sweeney's in the movie. Oh, okay. So this morning I I texted Sweeney and I was like yeah hey yeah i got home because you know when i'm driving i can't google shit and right you know so i that's why i call people i just fucking call people when i'm driving just (laughs) hours and hours so i just i texted him this morning and and he sent me a link to some like really rough recordings live recordings maybe of maurice Mm -hmm. and it's killer really yeah i'll send it to you nice yeah i want to check that out I think they went to New Jersey and played with the Misfits. Uh, Sam Hain. Or Sam Hain, yeah. Yeah, so they yeah they opened uh, Sam Hain's first tour, and they were like four, 14. <laughs> I, think, I think the story goes that uh, Danzig, Glenn Danzig, asked David to be the guitar player in Danzig. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And he was like, no, I'm in Slint. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I know that Lyle Pressler was the guitar player in Danzig or in uh, Sam Hain for a little while. Right. But uh, Lyle Pressler for Minor Threat, which seemed really strange. I think so was Brian. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, Baker. Brian Baker from uh, Minor Threat and Bad Religion. Yeah. It's interesting watching these videos and, you know, especially now with Wikipedia, how intertwined musicians are with each other. You know what I mean? It's incredible. I love it. Like, it's like, it's like a study in how everybody got herpes. (laughs) That's your favorite (laughs) go-to. It's true, man. It's your favorite go-to. Did I ever tell you my (laughs) uh, stripper herpes story? I don't know. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> no, it's funny. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're at, what's the place that uh, has steaks here in Portland? Uh, Acrop, the Acropolis. The Acropolis, yeah. We're at the Acropolis. And uh, there's this stripper dancing. And um, 
it, so apparently her shtick is, you know, you put a dollar up on the little counter or whatever, and she comes over and she flips her long hair over your head and kind of yeah. like nuzzles you and rubs your her tits on you, right? Yeah. So I watch her do it. It's a pretty a good move. Yeah. I watch her do it to like five or six dudes. And, you know, I tip because I'm sitting up at the bar or up at the stage. They call it and the rack. The rack. And uh, she she comes over and she tries to flip her hair, you know, do the thing where she flips her hair over me and stuff. And I just t- tilt way back. I like tip my chair back and I just shake my head no really fast. And she's like, what? And uh, anyway, she comes up to me and she asks why. And I said, that's, that's how lice is spread, right? <laughs> and she just gives me a weird look and she like takes off and does a couple more dances to some other dudes. And then all of a sudden I can see like a light bulb go off in her head and she kind of beelines it back towards me. And she comes up to me and she's like, well, I only do it to guys that look clean. And I go, I lean forward. And I go, that's how herpes is spread. I <laughs> <laughs> so, was not her favorite customer that night. No, I can't imagine. No. So this record is, yes. I wonder, is it not to bring up old wounds does this record exist on any greatest albums lists? Dude, you said we were never going to look at No, I don't want to know about the Rolling Stone one. Right. But surely, who are those other assholes? Like all music and stuff? No. Oh, Pitchfork. Pitchfork. Oh, I'm sure. Surely Pitchfork, Pitchfork has got it on there, right? Surely. They have to. Pitchfork, greatest Let's see. albums Here of all time. Come on. Come on. Um, hey, they gave it a score of 10. 10 out of 10? I don't know. It just says 10 at the top of the article. So I'm assuming that in a big red font. So I'm assuming that's their, that's their review of top it. Top 100 albums of the 90s. Bjork, Back, Smashing Pumpkins, number three. What? Siamese Dream, number three. Fear of a Black oh. Planet, number four. Dismemberment Plan, Emergency and I. That's interesting. That's a, I really like that record. The Bends, that belongs there. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling sinister in utero. And then Spiderland. Top 10. That's good. Good for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this record's popular with the cool guys. So, of course, they're they're going to rate it high. Right. It is. I mean, this is a record that I feel like... I mean, what was incredibly cool, I thought, my takeaway about all of these guys and about that band is like they were incredibly cool but not and they were aware but not like cool in a self-conscious like i'm gonna be i'm gonna out cool people way right right like we're trying you know like it felt in they didn't feel pretentious they felt like they were just doing they're trying to make something interesting that they really enjoyed. Like Albini was impressed with how, like how much the sounds they wanted to capture were to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing about this band is they don't seem like they fit in with like the cool guy, Chicago, whatever, you know, they just seem like these kids from Louisville that just love to play and kind of forge their own way and practiced an unbelievable amount together until they wrote, you know, really unique music. And then when they, you know, I mean, they were fans of big black or whatever, but when they encountered Steve, uh, you know, he saw it for what it was, you know, just 
brilliant kids, you know? So, and then, you know, obviously Albini's a tastemaker in Chicago. And so once it got his stamp of approval, you know, other people started to revere them as well. So it's incredible, you know? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just thought for sure that they were going to, because I really knew nothing about them. I knew that the one guy went on to be in Zwan. I didn't, and that's it. That's all I knew. Yeah. Um, but I just thought for sure that they were going to be some sort of pretentious, you know, post rock guys. Right. Right. I couldn't have been more wrong. I don't think. Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, super impressed but the record sounds so amazing holy fuck yeah my first impression of the record it, well for for whatever reason i had it in my head that steve albini recorded this and i was like i thought oh. he did too yeah i was i was like oh good albini dialed it back you know what i mean to where it's like good you know because I, <laughs> I i feel like his drum ambience is a little too much a lot of times and the drums on this record like if you've never seen a really good drummer play in a uh, play a really well tuned drum kit at a house show, you right. should listen to this record. It's the closest representation I've ever heard of that amazing sound. You know, where you're like up close to the drums and the drummer is fucking super talented and the drums are tuned well. I mean, there's nothing better than being at a basement show and hearing a drums drummer in a drum set like that this album actually captures it like and the incredible thing is like them talking about how they made the record like none of them even remembered the details they were like ah <laughs> god right. i you know it was so long ago and it was so it was not like the most significant moment of their life like they were just going to make a record you know it just wasn't they weren't going to make a piece of rock history right right as far as they were concerned, they showed up on Friday, loaded their shit in, and just threw mics on everything. Dude decided he was going to go to Guitar Center. They had a such limited amount of time <laughs> to go buy some fucking cymbals. Like, you couldn't have bought them last week? Right, right, right. Like, Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Whoa. And for whatever reason, everyone was just cool with it. Yeah. I would have been so pissed. I would have been pissed, like, what? But, yeah, they just, they did this in, like, in three days. Yeah, they did it, like, over a weekend at a Chicago, you know. A nice studio. Yeah, a nice studio. You know what's amazing is how many, like, groundbreaking or influential records were recorded at studios, like, during off hours or, you you know what I mean? Like, they just snuck in and, you know. Yeah, do it after hours and they do yeah. it like it's really some of those the most exciting records are records that there's not a lot of finger fucking going on yeah. in the studio. It's yeah. like a very well rehearsed, well th- like well right. thought out pre-production like, you know, the band rolls in and they fucking blast the shit out of the songs. Yeah. Sprink like throw a couple jimmies on it. And fucking, uh, you know, like sprinkles. Yeah. And then, and then they're out and they're done and, and no one is thinking, no one is like, has a pretentious thought in their mind. They're not like, this is amazing. They go home, they go to their jobs or whatever. And 
that's always, always, always when it's the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about Appetite. I mean, they were, you know, the reason that record's so great is because that band was so well rehearsed. And yeah, those songs, dude. They had that shit on lockdown. They just went out, went in and played a live set, basically, you know? Yeah. And out comes one of the, you know, greatest albums of all time. So. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. This, the sound of a, of a good band is the, is the most exciting. Right sound i can imagine hearing yeah i I mean maybe ed mcmahon where he's like (laughs) you know he knocks on the door or whatever rings my doorbell that would be pretty exciting (laughs) has a big old fucking check you know yeah uh but yeah a well-rehearsed band with you know really great creative premeditated ideas yeah that's what this was yeah yeah so you know before we blow too far past it uh the engineer was a guy from minneapolis named brian paulson so it was not steve albini and he was known for getting a good live sound um for bands um what else did he make uh he's well so apparently this was like his the record that broke him you know what i mean uh people heard this record and then wanted to start hiring him so since then he's done stuff for beck Arches of Loaf, Dinosaur Jr., Super Chunk, The Spinanes, C and Cake. Wow. So yeah, he's done, he's had a lot of work since this record. Uh, but this was kind of his first. Any good bands? <laughs> Just kidding. Those... How can you not love Arches of Loaf and Dinosaur? <laughs> no, I love all those Beck. bands. Yeah, and Super yeah, Chunk. No, it's <clears throat> and Dinosaur Jr. Yeah, no, it's yeah. all that oh, was fuck. all great. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, the drum recording on this. You know, when I, uh, I spend a lot of money on mics and I, uh, to quote Mike, I finger fuck my stuff a lot trying to get like better drum sound, you know, just better sounding stuff. Cause I'm, there's a sound that I have in my head that I'm trying to hit. And once I get that, I'm done finger fucking it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and if I could get this drum sound, I would, that's it. Like this, this is my ideal recorded drum sound. Um, and the clean guitar sound on this record is fucking great too. And Distor- there's nothing about this record that I would change. I think the distorted guitar sound on this record is pretty poor, but I, it's I don't pretty mean- shrill, but it's, I yeah. feel like it's a decided, I think it's an aesthetic choice. You think like, so? I don't, you yeah, know, I don't think that these guys made mistakes. Like it was yeah. like, that wasn't an accidental sound or tone. That yeah. was intentional, you know? Yeah, I feel like the distorted guitar sound wasn't that great. Um, Did you the, uh, happen to catch gu- what kind of amp? I mean, it sounds like they're playing like Fender fucking red knob amps. Yeah, <laughs> the 80s Fenders uh, yeah. solid state stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, from looking at their practice session, it looks like they just had like a mis- mishmash of, you know, used stuff that they bought, basically. Right. You know, like he had like a 212 on top of a 412 and you know, shit like that. So, um, but yeah, the, 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 the other thing that I really like about the guitars is how close up they sound, you know, they're very dry and you know, they, they feel close to you. Whereas the drums have a, a, like the perfect amount of room ambience. Um, yeah, if I could get those two sounds, I would be fucking, I would stop finger fucking my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Everything is great. And you know, the vocals aren't super strong, but they 
they're perfect. They, like they just feel really honest and like vulnerable. Right. Like yeah, you don't listen and you, you, I never think, and even though I recognize like, well, well, these aren't the greatest lyrics and or the greatest vocals in the world. It's, I never, I'm like, this isn't good. Yeah. The, I, like, I think the, God, this guy's fucking laying it on the line. Right. Yeah, I think the, you know, I don't even know that I would, I mean, is it, are they, I feel like they're poems, spoken word poems, basically, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, there's some singing. Yeah, um, but even as like spoken word, quiet, vocal, you know, it works perfectly with the band. Um, and, you know, if you actually read the lyrics so you can understand the story, I guess, right. for lack of a better term, they're super interesting. Like, Good Morning Captain is... <laughs> so great you know it's such a crazy little story or poem or you know whatever the fuck it is right um and uh what's the one where he goes on the 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 like roller coaster with the fortune teller or whatever <laughs> is that right come trail is that is that that one i don't remember i, I don't know but, but i mean um, I, I know what you're talking about yeah but yeah just really creative super interesting um uh vocals um yeah breadcrumb trail is the one where he he goes uh he's at the carnival with a fortune teller and they go on rides together <laughs> like how would you ever think of of that as a premise for a song you know <laughs> like, and you know you could leave me alone on a desert island for a million years i wouldn't have come up with that so yeah super cool um it never seemed like they're like they never talked about drugs right right um, and so because of that, I have to assume that they weren't big drug users. Yeah. Um, because drugs almost inevitably come up in rock documentaries, you know, it's just like, well, <laughs> right. yeah. then Jimmy got fucking hooked on crank or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that was the end of the band. But yeah, uh, it seems like these guys were just interesting just <laughs> from the word go. Yeah. Yeah. I they mean, weren't. I wonder how much of that was that art school. You know what I mean? That. And incredibly supportive parents. Oh my God. Holy yeah. shit. Let's <laughs> not, yeah, let's, let's not, not just breeze past that. Yeah. They fucking put their parents address on the record. Yeah. For people and invited people to write them. So yeah. The and, and the parents still live there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and they ask the parents, "Has it ever been a problem?" They're like, "No, I don't. Has it? No, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. They're like, we get letters from China and Spain, and you know, my favorite like, letter that they read was like, "I'm a girl singer, and I don't think you guys are very good, so I'm not interested." <laughs> yeah, because on the record it says, uh, "Looking for female vocalists." Yeah. yeah, and then some like little five-year-old girl writes a, a letter to him. Who saying, knows how old she interested. was? <laughs> she, uh, but, so but she wrote to let them know that she wasn't interested. Because, right? Yeah, you know, just in it's case. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> they were waiting for her. They were waiting for her email specifically. Her, uh, snail mail. Yeah, it's so fucking good. Brilliant. Yeah, the parents. You know, on uh, when you first look at them, you know. They just look like really conservative, you know, Southern folks, you know, and they just couldn't have been cooler. They're just sitting on the couch. They're like, yeah, we, 
you know, uh, there's a door to the basement on the side of the house and we just let the kids come in and do whatever they wanted down there. You know, yeah, they're like, we didn't know if there were four people or 12 people. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about having great parents, you know, supportive parents. One, one little thing that happened in the, um, that they talked about in the documentary that went by pretty quick that I really enjoyed was, uh, apparently the Brits. So th- those are Brits parents. That's where the, Brit, yeah. the drummer, that's where they practice. Uh, apparently he was a piano player. The fa- the dad was, and they said that one time they had, they were working on a song and they finished writing the song and they stopped playing it and they could hear Brit's dad upstairs playing it on piano. It's like purple rain. Yeah. <laughs> but in reverse, you know, like, uh, you know, I mean, how cool is that? You know, that you, you, you know, you provide this, space for your kids to be creative and you're supportive and you, you know, you take an interest in what your kids are doing, you know, doing. And, uh, yeah, really cool people. So they definitely deserve a shout on, (laughs) on golden shot. I love that. Was it Maurice that played at the church? Uh, um, it was slint, but I, uh, well, I don't think it was, no, they went by a different name at that point. It was like, black tufts of hair or something. Oh something yeah. Crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They so, played in the middle of a church service. Right. And they said that people just got up and left. <laughs> to be fair, it was a Unitarian church service. So, I mean, that's, I don't really know what that means. Unitarian is like the ultra liberal church. So like, I don't even know if, if, it's Jesus. It's more about community and, and that sort of thing. So like really? a lot of, yeah. How like many lot, Unitarians can there possibly be in Louisville? That's true. I'm just wondering, like, I mean, that's not a, you know, I'm not being fucking cheeky. Um, that's an honest question. Like, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it just doesn't Lu- seem like it would be the most popular choice, but right. what the fuck do I know? Well, I mean, even though you know we think of kentucky as rural and south like louisville's a big city you know with and most big cities are liberal i mean Um, is it bigger than portland oregon i don't know i don't think so no maybe not um and portland isn't a big city no not at all it's a big town like you could you can walk across portland in a day (laughs) you know so i mean you Um, can walk across new york in a day too you know uh shitty day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I know like um Unitarian churches they'll they'll like they'll have like LGBTQ um right. you know things and that sort of thing. And and I vaguely remember in Davenport, uh in the Quad Cities, there being a Unitarian church where they they used to have shows. So right. yeah. Huh. It's almost like a you know, like a community center, but that's just called a church, I feel like. So <laughs> yeah, that's how dark tufts of hair got to play or whatever. probably someone will correct us yeah i'm sure and that'd be good that's fine is rudy from louisville he's from kentucky right uh it's either uh it's Let either Lexington? kentucky or tennessee i can't remember i wonder if he picked this album it's possible um this this album is 100 percent right up his alley yeah I would is there what so. i said did Corey pick this record your friend Corey? No, Corey, I don't think even I don't think he even knew that the podcast existed. Ah. Cause when I said uh Golden Shower of Hits, he goes, Oh, great record. <laughs> okay, I was okay. like, Well, not really. 
kind of uh, yeah no there's <laughs> uh, i was listening to some circus jerks rec- record recently and there were some pretty bad songs on it Oof. yeah didn't you know which one wild in the streets no uh i don't remember which record it was um they were singing about like having martial amps and stuff which you would think that would really? be right up my alley but it was just like terrible corny yeah it, it was super corny yeah i'll have to find that for you and stick it in the show uh, so they're they were they were referencing their gear in their songs that's a very yeah it's a very like midwest rock and roll thing to do i think <laughs> which is don't you think yeah that's something uh, that you'd think like uh you know or a southern rock band would talk about their les pauls or right you know or a canadian band like aldo nova would do that <laughs> I, I googled circle jerks and marshall amps but i'm not coming up with much all you got was a reverb store <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah, a bunch of stuff about greg hetson right hmm. well i'll have to find that for you and uh, who maybe cares? Put, it, put it in the follow-up <laughs> for next week so you can enjoy how awful the song is Ah, uh, who cares um <sighs> yeah super interesting band a lot of these guys went on to do um interesting stuff uh the guitar player yeah, david pajeo played in stereo lab the yeah yeah yeahs uh he's uh the touring bass player for interpol yeah and uh he had he's put out some solo stuff uh under the uh under the name papa m or ariel m yeah um the papa m stuff is pretty good i sampled a little bit of it it's kind of you know dude and acoustic guitar kind of thing right um i like that uh and then brian um so they put out <laughs> they recorded the record and brian had gotten hit by a car really bad yeah um and like the paramedics when they got on the scene they thought he was dead uh and then they were putting him in the ambulance and and, and the paramedics called in code 138 and he woke up singing uh we are 138 by the misfits <laughs> 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 so anyways apparently the 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 getting hit by that car because he had pulled over to help another driver who had broken down right and while he was helping that driver break down another car hit him and he got pretty fucked up from it and i think that kind of put him in a depression and so you know the reason the band broke up or at least some of the stated reasons that the band broke up was because he was so depressed that after he quit the band, he checked himself into a mental health hospital. Right. So, but he also um, said that he was fucking, he felt like he was carrying a more than his share of the workload. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So, you know, my, my, uh, MO is, uh, I always think a band needs a dictator and it sounded like these guys were letting him be the dictator and he didn't want to be, (laughs) right. Which Jesus dude, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, a band needs a leader. I don't know that that has to be a dictator. I mean, dictator is not always a bad, I I think it has some negative connotations, but definitely, you know, don't be an addict, dictatorial apologist. (laughs) 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 Don't put the dick in dictatorial, right? The a dick tutorial. A dictator, yeah. You get a, dictators get a bad rap sometimes. I think, but um, <laughs> don't get yeah, us so, canceled. Like we're not even a year old yet. <laughs> uh, Brian uh, quit playing music for a little while, and it sounds like he moved in with that 
turd from LCD Sound System in New York. <laughs> started baking dick cakes. <laughs> yeah, he started an erotic cake like company in that guy's apartment uh, making penis and boob cakes and uh his uh little company was called master cakes which is fucking brilliant so uh, good. but he he now has a band called the four carnation uh that's you know super mellow kind of like slint but su- you know super mellow and it seems like different members of slint have played with that band on and off uh right over the, the last few years so so that's kind of what brian's up to uh, uh um brit Walford, brit walford the drummer actually played drums on the breeders first record pod which is a fucking amazing record yeah um and he's credited under a fake name under a, a girl a female name and so when they would play shows he would dress up in drag <laughs> because uh yeah, he <laughs> he's not that. on the second record uh the breeders i don't think so no he's not on last splash Mm-mm. huh so what a drummer good yeah, fucking amazing Lord. drummer for sure so um i did what else has he I, done like surely he's played in some more bands yeah um unfortunately you know some of these guys play in i don't have the musical knowledge that like john or mike have so a lot of times I, you know i see this list of bands and i'm like i have never heard of any of these bands <laughs> so right. uh, i mean I, know, I don't know it, that i would have heard of them either it's hard for me to highlight but um yeah he's played with water uh slint the breeders the four carnations evergreen hogleg king kong the palace brothers and will oldham so well will oldham is great is that the guy they were that took the photos uh yes yeah, he took the the band photo. Yeah, Bonnie Prince Billy, Will Oldham. Those are all his like band pseudonyms or whatever. Oh, okay. Pseudonyms. Hmm. Um, he's great. I used to make a lot of fun of him. And here's here's a funny thing. This happened this week. Not to fucking be a weird whatever, but I I had encountered him once and seen him <laughs> live once, right? But he was. It was backstage. You didn't have an awkward uh, run into him with a uh, with him at a coffee shop. Not at a coffee shop. Backstage okay. in craft services at a festival. <laughs> okay. And he was, you know, I don't know. He was under the influence of something. He was. We, he was real weird. He was yeah. weird. I was just like, this guy is. I, like, I really enjoy his music, even though yeah. I used to make fun. Like, I would make fun of him by making making up names for his band name i would call him prince billy bongo (laughs) even though i really enjoyed his music um but you know and you know when i when i saw him and interacted with him he had like crumbs in his beard and he was just like (laughs) pretty much cross-eyed you know just like pretty whatever not he was on another plane yeah and uh and then I saw him live, and live he's got his, you know, stage kind of vibe happening. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that guy is like an eccentric fucking weirdo poet. Like everything that comes out of his mouth is probably just like gluey <laughs> poetry. Yeah. And then I listened to a podcast with him on it this week, and I was like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? Like he is incredibly normal. I was really? just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, who did I meet? 
Like, I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, that Willie Nelson joke, you know, where it's like, what's the worst thing Willie Nelson can tell you after you suck his dick? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hey, man, I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I was just like, did I meet Will Oldham? Or, like, who? Because he was just, like, fucking brilliant. Right. And I was like, huh. I've had this uh, this whole idea about who he was for years. Yeah. Fucking, you know, 15 years. Yeah. What the fuck do I know? Hmm. Don't believe everything you believe. I guess. Yeah, I think they talked about, um, he was actually going to, they wanted him to be the singer for uh, Slint, didn't they? One uh, of the but, bands, maybe not Slint, maybe the one that was right before. What was it Maurice or something? Might have been Maurice. He might have yeah. been the bass player in Maurice for a minute or something, but he okay. took the pictures, a couple of pictures. Um, you know, he's a guy that's just been around there. Yeah. And his yeah. older brother was in one of the bands. Okay. His older brother was in, maybe in Squirrel Bait. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm trying to see if I have any other notes on this We've band. really... St- just stretched the fabric of my knowledge on that like <laughs> everything i know like i knew that he took that picture someone told me that at some point yeah um and and that the one guy was in zwan that's all i knew that's funny yeah I don't, and I've then watch that zwan, movie this so. morning I, hi- I highly recommend anyone that's still listening to us ramble to watch that movie it's fucking great so you find yeah, it on uh, youtube yeah, it's free on YouTube. So, um, yeah, just be aware the interviews took place over twelve years. So there, are <laughs> it can, yeah, it can be a little confusing, but it's really great. Yeah, it's good. And dude, listen to this record for sure. Um, oh God! And check out Squirrel Bait's record too. It's really good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're we gonna grade this thing. This is easy for me. A. Yeah. Um, oof. I think, you know... Like, I'm almost about to give it an A+. plus. <laughs> really? No, yeah. I think it's fucking close. I think it's it's pretty goddamn close to being an absolute perfect record. I wouldn't change anything about it. I've already stated that. Yeah. But I, I love how, like... I love that it was made so quickly. Yeah. I love that they didn't, you know, they didn't continue the band without Brian. Right. And, you know, sort of water down what they had all created together. I love that it was so well, it was so, everything was considered. Everything was considerate and intentional. There weren't any accidents, even though it sounds like, I thought for sure when I first heard it in 1995, Mm -hmm. I was like, this sounds like they just made it up on the spot. Like the right, first time right. I heard it, that's what it sounded like to me because I'd never heard I could see that. Yeah. music quite like that other than Drive Like Jehu I'd heard. And that was like, you know, that was on a different level. Yeah. But I just thought like, this is really weird and creepy and noisy and and it's good. Like I can tell everyone can play, but they're not shredding and they're not like, what the fuck is going on? But we listen to it so much you know, it's one of those albums where all the weird little things, I hear them coming before they happen. Yeah. And, 
you know, I just, I fucking, I love it. And I just, I really think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. And an unpretentious, you know, accidental masterpiece. Right, yeah. Those they had no fucking idea. Ones, you know? Yeah. Was, yeah. It, you know, it's no kid, eh? <laughs> fucking assholes. It's I, um, 10 times the album Kid A is. Oh, fuck. At least. Are you kidding? <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah. I'm. The only reason I'm not going to give it an A plus is... Because uh, you're stingy. I am stingy with the grades. Um, because it's a new album to me. I mean, I can't imagine five years from now, I'm going to think, oh, I was just excited about this album. Now I don't like it. You know, like I, I have a feeling this is going to be in a regular, you know, oh, rotation yeah. for a long time for me. How about the fact that it's 30 years old and it still sounds amazing? Oh yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, I love the story of this band and those, the, those two boys, their friend, you know, their friendship from age 12. I love that they were little kids that started a hardcore punk band. They couldn't carry their <laughs> fucking amps in. I love that they were in a squirrel bait, which was, you know, an amazing uh, kind of Husker Du offshoot, who I love Husker Du, um, with, you know, catchy songs. Um, I, I love the, the you know, production, recording quality of this record. I think the songs are great. I like the, the poetry slash story slash, you know, talking uh, yeah. under the songs. I mean, the only... Uh, negative things i have and they're not even that negative is i feel like the singing is a little weak on the song washer um and the distorted guitar sound which there's hardly any distorted guitar sound on this record but i feel like that's a little weak but other than that man i got no complaints i really like this record so i think that the sh i i do th i mean that distorted guitar sound is like it really hits you in the temple yeah, like it really doesn't hit you. It doesn't hit you in the chest or anything. No. Like it's yeah, it's, no, it Angus hits you in the temple. In the chest. Yeah, it. But I, I do feel like it's intentional. Like I, do, I really don't think there are any accidents. I have. I can't believe that for a moment. You know, even though they're like, oh, <sighs> no, I don't care. Just, I don't remember. It wasn't. Wasn't in the moment. It wasn't the most significant thing in the world. Those guys were meticulous. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like they were kids and so the equipment they had was the equipment they could afford and, you know, they didn't do a lot of distorted stuff. So the distorted sound was an afterthought, you know, of, of whatever amp they bought at the pawn shop, you know, I've right. Cause I feel like, you know, I mean, in my early twenties, I was struggling with a crate, you know, I didn't have any, <laughs> I didn't have any money. And so tone was not that much of an option for me, but you know, then again, I mean, the drums sound fantastic. It's not like he's playing a pawn shop kit or, you know. Well, he seemed to come from a pretty room, so. affluent home that's true. also. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, um, which that's not a knock. No. But like we said, his parents seemed incredibly yeah, supportive. supportive. Yeah. Um, and that, not in the way that like. My grandma was supportive, like, you can be anything you want. <laughs> right. You like, can be I the think, president. No, yeah. That's never going to happen. No. No. Not with the skeletons in my closet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not with your sons as my uncles. <laughs> you kidding me? The campaign trail is brutal, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, if you haven't... I... I 
I would be surprised if anybody listening to this podcast, especially this deep into it, uh, doesn't already know this album and love this album. So, but if that's you, you should definitely fucking put on this record after listening to this episode. That's what I'd say. Yes. I, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and if you, if you are not all that familiar with post rock music or post punk or post rock, like this is a great way to get into it because this is one of the cornerstone bands. Like these guys influenced so many bands and are just like, are they're led. It's, this is a legendary album. Yeah. Uh, and it's unconventional. Like, don't expect to hear, you know, don't stop believing her or, you know, it's not right, like that. Right. It's funny. Yeah. At one point in the movie, they go, we started to sort of adopt more of a conventional songwriting style. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are they listening to? Re- where? Uh, where? Yeah. Which part are right. you talking about? Um, I do. I I do remember um, earlier in the show. I was trying to think of the band that uh, Squirrel Bait reminded me of. Squirrel Bait reminds me of, and obviously this is backwards. So this band reminds me of Squirrel Bait, uh, but Squirrel Bait kind of sounds like Jawbreaker to me. Oh with yeah, Paul Westerberg singing. I can definitely hear Squirrel Bait's uh, influence on Jawbreaker. So yeah. Anyways, I can hear <laughs> twenty minutes these guys too late. Influence on. Like Sunny Day Real Estate too. Oh yeah, these yeah I hear these guys influence on all kinds of bands. So you know, yeah, yeah, uh, legends. Yeah. A. You know, yeah, absolutely A, almost an A plus. So practically an A plus. <sighs> you know, we've had a couple of great episodes. We did Queen, we did Prince, we did Slint. Next, it's week, been a good run. Yeah, and I think that run is over. Why? Uh, next week is next week. <laughs> jagged jazzist and the album is called living room hush um yeah so have you sampled any of it i have and that's when i gave you the cover (laughs) (laughs) you dick uh it's i think it's like a a is it instrumental yeah i believe so um i believe it's a jazz record and not like Thelonious monk jazz but like some other kind of jazz um when I was sampling it to try to figure out if I could do a cover from it, the instrumentation was so complex. I was like, I can't even figure any of this out. So, cause typically, you know, to do a cover, I have to learn how to play the song the way they play it. And then I, you know, right to make it faster or punk it up or whatever. So, uh, and I couldn't even play (laughs) anything they were playing. So that instantly put the kibosh on the cover for me. So I had to Uh take it your way. Um, Great. But I, I feel I feel like I know we say this all the time, but I, I have a feeling this is a Rudy troll. <laughs> so, is it that? Is it bad that way? Uh, I, 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 it's you know, it's been like a month or two since I've sampled these songs, and I just remember thinking, ugh. So, but you know, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe I'll listen to it and think, oh man, this is rad. But when I was Probably digging for a cover, I was not into it. So. Probably not. It's going to be a rough week. Great. <sighs> I'm really looking forward to a rough week. Yeah, the last four weeks have been awesome. The Stones, Queens, Prince, and Slint. Holy fuck. Yeah, this has been a good season. Yeah. 
I love, so. I love that you just jokingly referred to each set of decades as a season, and I just rolled with it. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yeah. On the, well, I, um, yeah. In the, uh, whatever the, you know, the episode, the fucking episode breakdown, you know, on Instagram. Oh, right, I break right. it down like season, whatever, episode, whatever. Yeah. It's ridiculous to me. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> like a uh, six, six yeah, episode yeah. season. Yeah. Cause what are we on? Season eight right now? Fuck if I know. I can't, I can't even count right now. I'm so tired. <laughs> this is terrible radio. All right. Well, we should probably uh, kind of wrap it up. Do you have a few minutes for us to pick the next season? That's how you spread herpes. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, once everybody has herpes, nobody has herpes. So, uh, yeah, sure. Let's pick it. Let's go. All right. Um, can you give me like two minutes to Fuck organize yeah. this real quick? I okay, can give cool. you three minutes, buddy. All right. All right. I'm going to put you, you know, on. I'm, gonna, I'm your friend. <laughs> you are my friend. Uh, okay. Um, let's pick the next two seasons. And instead of doing 60s, 70s, 80s, so on and so forth, why don't we pick the 60s, the two 60s songs, then the two 70s, then the two 80s. Oh, all right. If that's okay. Because that way, so I've sorted so we shouldn't hit any blank spaces. So great. Okay. So you're going to pick random numbers, um, two through 112, 77. Okay. 77 <clears throat> is, ah, Sly and the family stone oh, stand. Wow. All right. And okay. Let's do another one. Two through 70, uh, two through 112, 13, 13 is, ah, the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Wow. Yeah, nice. This is uh, this is going great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me sort the 70s real quick. Okay, so for the 70s, choose number two through number 125. 19. 19 is Buzzcocks, Spiral Scratch. Wow, all right. And another one, two 57. through 57. That is Little Feet Dixie Chicken. All right. Uh, hey. Let's do the 80s. If you be my Dixie Chicken, I'll be your, oh, what is it? I don't, I don't remember never, the second line. Never heard this band. Oh, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the band. <laughs> so this is going to be a band that, uh, John bugs me to watch their fucking movie for like yeah. decades and I yes. ignore his. Okay, great. Probably. And you're going to hate that one. Um, <laughs> do we have one more? Uh, that was the two seventies. So now oh, okay. the 1980s. Uh, so number two through uh, 71. Okay. You said 71. That's right. That is. Uh, signals, calls, and marches by Mission of Burma. Oh, cool! And what's your next number? We can go up to one twenty. Ninety. Ninety. Yeah, ninety. Ninety is <laughs> the bridge, a tribute to Neil Young by various artists. That's someone's favorite record. That's what was submitted. Wow. Huh. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, eighties. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's the eighties. Let's do the nineties. 
91. So we have number two through, oops, hold on a second here. Um, yeah, through 128. So uh, you said 91. I did. A Red Medicine by Fugazi. Wow. Huh. All right. Another one from uh, from the 90s. You can go up to 120. 101. 101. Oh, fuck my life. <laughs> what? Oh, seriously. This is a fucking troll line from Rudy <laughs> or somebody. <laughs> uh, Some gave all by Billy Ray Cyrus. It's <laughs> <laughs> so patriotic. So, so this, 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 the line on this, uh, yeah. <laughs> you motherfucker. <sighs> do we have to do that? I really, I really, really, really don't. We picked it. Come on, dude. Don't be a fucking pussy. Oh, no, fuck that. Uh, didn't, you know what? Didn't we bounce, um, Dylan and the dead for you? <laughs> didn't you veto that one? <laughs> no, we, nope, that's not how it went down. Oh, Don't be a fucking on. history revisionist. We bounced it for Purple Rain. That's right. Okay. And that was your idea. <laughs> that's right. For the record. Oh, fuck me. Okay. God. Try and fucking pawn you, you that what, off you, on me like that fucking devious shit was on me. You know, this, this makes sense because... Present Jamie hates future Jamie. If I've ever learned anything, I stay up too late. I smoke too many cigarettes. All I do is fuck my future self. And I've just fucked my future self by sorting the list. So some gave all by fucking Billy Cyrus <laughs> came up. Jesus yep. Christ. Okay. Uh, all right. Two thousands. <laughs> is there an, oh, now what? What do we got now? We're in the two thousands and you can uh, pick up to one twenty five. 111 111 is the roots oh uh firm analogy for the tipping point I awesome don't know i said that right but okay and then 11 11 going back <laughs> <sighs> so this entry this person uh <laughs> for the 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000s and 2010 in the 60s, they picked Iron Maiden, self-title, Iron Maiden rules all of the time. <laughs> For the 70s, they picked Iron Maiden killer, and in parentheses, it says Iron Maiden rules all of the time. <laughs> For the 80s, it says Iron Maiden, number of the beast, cause, <laughs> maiden motherfucker. Uh, 90s, so this is the one that, oh, wait, uh, this one is Iron Maiden, peace of mind, do it now, you know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the 2000s they put another vote for peace of mind up the irons and their last entry is iron maiden power slave remember ruling all of the time so <laughs> is well, power slave is an 80s album like all, all those albums are 80s albums oh are they okay well they're all you, 80s albums what do you want to do um i mean technically this is their favorite album of the 2000s what is uh their entry was another vote for peace of mind peace of mind is an 80s album right but their favorite album of the 2000s is yeah i'm not talking about you i don't care about your personal experience or when you <laughs> learned about it you know yeah, that's uh, true that's that's not you know 
Those are not the rules of engagement. Okay, you're right, you're right. Because, I mean, obviously I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I couldn't have... Right. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. So we're gonna, we have to pick something else. Yeah. Sorry, Iron Maiden super fan that listens. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet that was my buddy, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Not Chris Smith. Oh, okay. Um, uh, all right, pick another number. 32. 32. Uh, it just says elephant. Oh, is that... Uh, is it elephant uh, by white, white stripes? stripes? Yeah. Maybe. Okay, we can do that. Because this is the 2000s, right? Correct. Yeah, that's that's Elephant by the White Stripes. That's a great album, actually. Uh, 2010s. You can 2010s. We're up to the teens from, now. Yes, you can pick Fif- from... 59. Up to 121. You said 59. <laughs> Their entry is, I don't listen to full albums anymore, so... Wow. Delete you that. fucking assholes. Okay. Um, 58. 58 is Howl and the Fifth by Generation of Vipers. Wow. I've never even heard of that. Don't know it either. Great. I love to learn new shit. We've learned some, we've learned about some pretty fun stuff. Uh, it's like some great shit on this uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, um one more, right? One more yes, for this. Yes, one more. Uh, 107. 107 is the stage. I don't know what the stage is. Hmm. Is that a record or a band? Let me search. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's by Avenged Sevenfold. Yep. Is that right? That's uh, what's coming up when I search it on Spotify. And that came out... Uh, bless you thank you that came out in 2016 so that's it yeah all right fine (laughs) Fine. yeah i I will say um you know there are a lot of records that we've listened to on the podcast that i'd never heard before that i really uh enjoyed so yeah i mean you know there's definitely been some stinkers some stinkers (laughs) uh but no you know I really like, I really dig doing this. And I, and I hope that, you know, the people that listen to the podcast, if they actually listen every week, the person um, that listens to the podcast. Yeah. I hope that they're sampling these records too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, never in my life has it been like, okay, here's a, you know, a record a week, every week, you know? So, um, yeah, it's definitely broadened my horizons, which is kind of cool. And I hope it's doing it for the audience too, you know, so. Well, it's been an interesting way to actually listen to music. Right, yeah. Because Because, even records that I'm familiar with, I've listened to differently. Yeah, and also, you know, it's not just sampling a song or two, you know, because that's where we are now. You know, you can just call out, hey, smart speaker, play fucking Stranglehold, and then play, you know. That wouldn't have been my go-to song. You know what I mean? For some reason, I keep, (laughs) I was thinking about this last night, like, Whenever I get in the shower, uh, I, I, you know, I ask Alexa to play different songs or whatever, and I don't know why, but I always have her play Stranglehold, like when I'm like getting undressed <laughs> to get in the shower, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, there's you some know, other you weird should songs. create a playlist of songs or a collection of songs mm-hmm. that because you time your showers, right? Yeah. Well, I only ever listen to Ave Maria when I'm actually in the shower. Really. 
Yeah, because it's the exact amount of time I should be taking. Oh, I was because I, I was going to say that. I was going to say you should have a collection of songs that are the precise amount of time. Then you know yeah. exactly when to go get out, but you don't have to hear an alarm, which is the worst. Yes, now that does not work. It's fucking soap in your eyes and the alarm's going off. And, and you don't, you know, you don't know when the end is coming. You know what I mean? So I when do you listen to a song. hate an alarm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I only ever listen to Ave Maria because it's like long enough, but it's not too long. And it's a nice song, you know? Um, but then when I'm like out of the shower, in the shower, I listen to different songs. But it seems like for some reason, Stranglehold comes up a lot in my mind when I'm like getting undressed or getting dressed after taking a shower. So it's really weird. And uh, last that. night I was uh, I was tinkering with, I bought some mesh heads for a drum kit that kind of set up like an electronic drum set you know yeah and i was um this is this is terrible radio right here but uh i realized there's there's like you know how on guitar you have like go-to riffs whenever you pick up a guitar yeah it's like like um whenever i pick up a new guitar i always play this one riff that john wrote that i really like from uh it was it was either death valley or a lovely song but i always play that um and then i always play like this circle jerks riff uh I realize they do that with drums too. Like whenever I'm testing out a new thing on drums, like, you know, some new cymbals or a new snare or whatever, I always play these like same, like five, you know, drum hits. Right. And it's always, well, it's cause um, you've played them so many times, you know what, you know, you, you already know what it's going to sound like, except that not on that. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I always play, um, uh, uh, the, the drum, Phil from Wild Thing by Tone Loke. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I I play uh, Bullet the Blue Sky by U2. Yeah, and uh, the other one is a Kiss one, and it's it's a song from Creatures. I can't even remember the name of it. So <laughs> War Machine Creatures. Uh, it, nah, I, is it Rock and Roll Hell or something? I don't I don't even fucking know, but. Yeah, so I realized it last because I was testing out the electronic drums with no cymbals, you know, and, and so it was just drums, and I was like, right. "Oh, I should write down these songs that I always play." So, anyways, <laughs> weird collection of songs. Yeah, awesome, cool. All right, well, there's our next two seasons: Sly and the Family Stone, Stand, uh, Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, 1970s, Bubs, Buzzcocks, Spiral Scratch, and then also Little Feet, Dixie Chicken. The 80s is Signals, Calls, and Marches by Mission of Burma. The other 80s tune is The Bridge, a tribute to Neil Young by various artists. The 1990s is Red Medicine by Fugazi. The other 90s song is <laughs> Some Gave All by Billy Ray Cyrus. Album. You, you keep saying song. It's album. Oh, sorry. Um, 2000s, The Roots, Phrenology, and The Tipping Point. The other album is Elephant by the White Stripes, 2010, Howl and Filth by Generation of Vipers, and The Stage, Avenged Sevenfold. So All right. that's the next two seasons. There we go. Yeah. Buddy, I'm, right, I'm going to pass out of sleep. Yeah, that's right. I'm fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> you, want me to, you, want me to, you want me to talk you to sleep? No, I don't need you to tuck me in. <laughs> Go to sleep, I appreciate. Mikey. I appreciate you, though. I'll check under the bed and in the closet to make sure there's nothing to get you. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. You're great. Oh, you're great, Mike. <laughs> All right, dude. 
It's so good uh, talking to you. Uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you about this wonderful record. Yeah, me too. All right, right next buddy. week, it'll be fun. <laughs> sure, we'll be texting a lot. Yes. All right, bye. All right, I'll see you later. Bye. Going down the